There is a Gemara in Shabbos on Daf Chafalif, the Sugi of Chanukah, and the Gemara says in the middle of the Sugi there, it's actually on Daf Chafbeis, Darish Rav Nosan Bar Minyumi Mishmei Derb Tanchem. Ner Chanukah Sheinicha Lamayla Michaf Ama Sula Kesuko Kemabli. Just like a sukkah and a mavoy, if they're higher than 20 amis are psula, so too a ner if it's placed higher than 20 amis, it's puzzle. And then the Gemara continues, strangely, the Amr of Tana, Darash of Nasan, Barmenyumi, Mishmei, Derav, Tanchum, Mai Dachsev, Abar, Reik, Ein Bai Mayim, and we darshan Mayim, Ein Bai, Avon Lechashim, Akrabim, Yesh Bai, the Pasuk in this week's parsha about Yosef getting thrown into the pit, and it says there that the bar, the pit that he was thrown into, was rake, it was empty. Ain by Mayim, there was no water in it. So the Gemara asks, "Mimashma shenemar ain by Mayim, Don't we know that there is no uh, water in it? If it's empty, of course it's there's no water. So the Gemara says, "Mayim ain by." There was no water of there were snakes and scorpions in the pit. And the question that a lot of Mepharshim ask is why does the Gemara place this Agadita smack dab in the middle of the sugya of Hanukkah and Mesecha Shabbos? Now, of course, the simple answer is that it's the same exact Manda Amar that says it. It's both Rav Tancham and it was quoted by the same people. But obviously there is a deeper understanding as to why the Gemara would be Meshadich, these two memories of Rav Tancham uh, in back-to-back locations here in Mesecha Shabbos. So Rav Meir Shapiro, the great Lublina Rav, who, by the way, you know, it's known, people that, are, that, that learn the daf um, know that there is a, uh, an uncanny ability for the daf to be uh, very often in Yana Diyayma, which is a very strange thing because Rameir Shapiro in 1923 said that Rosh Hashanah should be the first day of the daf um, and every seven and a half years you make a scene but it's not the same cycle but it's so it's so like almost normal to notice common themes on the daily daf to either the Parshas HaShavuah or the Yom Taivim or other events that are taking place in the world. Um, I have a, I spoke to somebody that uh, also noticed as he gives a shear in Washington Heights and Breuer's and he says that they have their own saying every time such a thing happens in the daf that all of a sudden it speaks on Hanukkah about a sugi of Hanukkah so they'll say something like the Lubliner strikes again. Because you know the Lublina rubber, Mayor Shapiro hit again on the on. So today's daf um, happened to speak about how you expand uh, the Azaras and the and Yerushalayim, and it, it brings down that the shear that was sung at this procession of expanding the uh, the ear and the Azara was our Mimcha Hashem Pidilisani, the Mizmar of. of of Hanukkah, so that happened on the first day of uh, of Hanukkah. That's not, I don't believe, just merely coincidental. But Mayor Shapiro gives a tarot to this kasha: why these two memories are put uh, next to one another, and he says the following beautiful pshat. He says that the Ner Hanukkah that's 
Hinicha Lamaila Michaf Ama is Psula. Why? Because Leshalta Be'enai. Because higher than 20 Amas, the eye doesn't really notice something. If it's higher than 20 Amas, you're not gonna, your eye won't catch it. So there's no Parsimenisa. He says that explains a lot. Because we know that Ru'uvein tried, the Pasuk says that he wanted to be, to save Yasef. So he was the one that says, let's not kill him with our own hands, but let's throw him into a pit. And the Pasuk is made that he wanted to come back later and save him. Now the question is, if you're throwing him into a pit that's full of snakes and scorpions, how exactly is that doing Yasef a favor? It would probably be better just to, just to kill him outright. It's a lot less painful, a lot less scary. So what was his cheshman? I'm going to save Yaisi by throwing him into this pit that was full of nechashim akrabim. Doesn't make sense. So the answer is that there is a mefarish on Mesachas Tamid that says that whenever he uses a lashon of hashlocha, the lashon hashlocha is always more than twenty amos. So he says that when it says that Reuven says, "Let's throw him into the pit." So that Lashon of Hashlocha has to mean that the pit was deeper than 20 Amis down. And Mimela, since Lashalta Be'ena, since the eye doesn't see something that's further than 20 Amis down or up, so therefore that explains why Reuven thought that he would be saving Yaisid by throwing him into it because it was deeper than 20 Amis. He couldn't, you wouldn't be able to see. So he says that's the, that's the common denominator between these two Gemaras that Lamaila Michafamas Psula because Lashaltabaina and Ruvain thought that he'd be saving Yaisid by throwing him into the pit. He didn't see the snakes and scorpions. He thought it was just an empty pit. And he'd come back later and save him. He didn't understand that how dangerous it really was because he wasn't able to see it with his eyes. I wanted to just be myself one possible yisaid, um, benagea, us, and how we can maybe explain this Indian of the bar that Yosef was found in, uh, and how that's shayach to our days of Hanukkah. Many, many of us, if not all of us, very often in life, we are in our own bar. We find ourselves in a dark place. So many of us have issues that we have to grapple with, we have to contend with. Much like Yasef. Yasef was really a, uh, a role model for us. Because Yasef had a lot of tsaras. He had, of course, the tsara with his brothers. And many of us have tsaras with our mishpachas. Many of us have issues with our siblings. Many of us have issues with our extended siblings, with our friends in yeshiva, with family issues. And that's a pit for us. That's a dark bar that we find ourselves in. We don't feel that we can really see the normal light of day. We look at other people and they have great family um, relationships and we like say, wow, if I had that type of relationship, if I had a sibling that really had my back, if I had a brother, if I had a sister, if I had 
parents that really, really were with me, were one with me, my life would be totally different. But I find myself in this bar, and the bar is not, there's no mayim in the bar. It's hard for me to learn, it's hard for me to have inyanim ruchniyim that I really want because I'm surrounded by nechashim ba'akrabim. I have all these people around me. I have all of these people that try to do me in, try to do harm to me. We have other issues in life. Darkness prevails so often. Social issues and financial issues and shiduchim issues, shalom bayis issues, children issues, health issues. So many times we find ourselves in this bar and we feel like there's so much darkness around us. We want to we want to see the light, but we don't know how we're going to get out of this bar. You know, the truth is that Yosef had another bar that I think many of us could relate to. One bar was the bar that his brothers threw him into. There was another bar later, and that was the bar with Aisha's Paitifar. He grappled with this taiva of Aisha's Paitifar. According to one mandamra in the Gemara, you have to understand what this means, but he went, he had a taiva to, to be seduced by Aisha's Paitifar, and he, he was con- seriously considering doing this on his madrega. And at the end, he, he had tremendous strength. And he was able to run away and overcome that immediate taiva, but there was a cost involved. And that was that he was imprisoned. He left his, his coat there and they, they hopped him and they threw him in jail. And he spent many, many years he spent many years in that jail and that's another type of bar that many of us are are constantly contending with and that's the bar of Taiva the bar of being Nikshal and Averis and it's so hard to get ourselves out of that bar it's hard it's a very difficult sugya especially nowadays with technology and things are so accessible and so easy to, to be nichshel in certain things and shmir seinayim and with hirhurim and with with averis that are that are usher and we find ourselves in a vicious cycle of taiva and hirhur and taiva and hirhur and yetzahara and satan and everything and it's a deep bar it's a bar which is really, really difficult to escape from. And Yosef is the role model for us. If we have these issues and we feel sometimes that I'm trapped and I can't get out and I don't see how I'm going to be able to to ever be normal and to ever have the Yerushalayim that I really want and I really desire because I, I keep falling into that bar and I'm surrounded by the darkness and I can't see the light. So Yasef HaTzadik teaches us how to get out of it. 
And the way to get out of it is with bitachin Hashem. The Gemara Darshan's Chazal tell us that fortunate is the man, the Pasagan Tilim, Asher Sam Miftachai Ba'ashem, who places his trust, his full trust in the Rabbi Nishlam. That's Yosef. Yosef had tzaddik. He was such a tzaddik that even in the darkest hours, even in those moments that he didn't know how he was going to get out of these birds, and he felt so alone, so entrapped, so ensnared, so so dark. At those moments, Yosef HaTzadik was able to have that somehow, someway, I'm going to be able to get out. I'm going to be able to see the Yeshua Hashem. And things will turn around for me. I just need a little siyat d'shmai and I will be able to get out of this matzav. This is not permanent. This is not forever. It's the Yerida true. It's something that I have to work on. I have to do some, some, some introspection. I have to see why I, why these things are happening to me. I have to try to break the cycle. But I can. With Dishmaya, I can and I will be able to get out of this. And he did. Not only did he get out of it, but all of the things that happened to him were really stepping stones to be able to get to exactly where he needed to get in life. If he wasn't thrown into that pit, he wouldn't have been sold to Mitzrayim. If he wasn't sold to Mitzrayim, he wouldn't have gone down and become the, the assistant to Paitifar. If Paitifar hadn't you know, in, imprisoned him, he would never have been able to meet with the Saramashkim, the Saraifim, which ultimately led to not only him being released from jail, but getting an audience with Parai, and Parai seeing the greatness that lied within Yasef and made him Mishnah Lamelech. Every single downturn in his life, those Bayreis, although they seemed dark, they seemed impossible barriers to be able to live. They were actually the very source of life. They were actually the very secret to the success of Yasef HaTzadik. This is what the Bitochen that Yasef had bore these fruits. He understood and he realized that every Yerida is really a Yerida L'Tzayrach Aliyah. It seems hard. It seems impossible. I don't understand why this is happening to me. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with friends. I don't have any clue why my siblings are acting the way they are to me. I don't know why my parents are acting the way they are to me. I don't know why I have these problems with money, with friends, with health. I don't know. But Yasef HaTzadik teaches us that you should just know that these are not tickets to failure, but rather they are secrets to how to someday be able to succeed. It will make you grow. It will strengthen you. 
taivas and those types of mechshalem are not good. But if we're able to use the the weaknesses that we have and learn from them, we could be greater than people that never had those weaknesses. <coughs> Reb Shleimer gave me a sefer for Hanukkah um, from it's called the Ber Chaim from Rabbi Elimelech Peterman on Hanukkah, and I saw I spent a whole day re- learning it, but. Um, I saw one Meredith of art that I think uh, ties in very nicely to what I'm saying. Yosef, when he became the king, when he became the viceroy of Mitzrayim, he sends to his father, Agolis, to bring him down to Mitzrayim. And Yaakov Avinu, the Pasuk says, Vayares HaAgolis asher sholach Yosef, Lase Saisei L'Mitzrayim, Vatechi Ruach Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu saw the Agolis. He saw those wagons that Yosef sent down, Matuchi, Ruach, Yaakov Avim, and the, the spirit of Yaakov was revived. He was depressed. I have to go down to Egypt. I want to stay in Eretz Yisrael. I don't want to go down to Egypt. What's in Egypt for me? How could I be going there now? At the end of my life, I just want to stay put. But he saw those agalos asher shalach Yosef losses. I say, those special chariots that Yosef sent to transport him to Egypt, batachi ruach Yaakov avim, and the spirit of Yaakov was revived. So he brings from the Shemi Shmuel, Amaritik Avard. He says that the lashna of agalos is from a lashna of eagle. Eagle means a circle. And, or a wheel. That's why agolas are called agolas, because they have wheels. What is a wheel? A wheel is a very, very important tool, obviously. So to reinvent the wheel. The wheel is probably the most basic invention that enabled people to transport heavy, heavy loads. But what is a wheel? A wheel is something that as the imaginist spoke on a wheel, it's going down. Okay, so it looks like it's having a rida. But we know that as it continues to roll, that very same spoke is now going up. It's going down, but it goes up. And it continues that revolution over and over and over again. So what appears to be a urida is really just the tzarech of aliyah. It has to go down in order to go up. Yosef HaTzadik was sending a message to his father. He says, Tati, learn from me. Don't be depressed now. I know that you think that there's a Yerida ahead by going down to Mitzrayim. What bigger Yerida could there be for Yaakov to be to literally be going down to Egypt from Eretz Yisrael, from the epitome of Kedusha Vitara, to be able to go to the Avi Avais HaTumah of Mitzrayim. Is there a bigger Yerida? I know that that's what you're thinking. But come! Because I experienced in my life that the Yeridas that I had were really serving an Aliyah purpose. Whatever I went through in my life, I might be younger than you, maybe I went through a lot less than you, but there's an Agala to life, there's the wheel of life. And that wheel turns... And although it seems that it's the Yerida, it's really 
just a plan to give you an aliyah. Look at my Yeridas. I had to go down, I had to be sold by my brothers to some Seicharim, to some Mitzrim, to some Mijanim. I went down to Egypt, and then I was seduced by Ashes Paitifar. I was thrown in jail, humiliated. Everybody was talking about Yosef as being somebody that did the un- unmentionable. Rahman al-Tzlan. Yerida after Yerida, but now look where I am. I'm a Mishnah Melech. Everything that I did was for an ultimate purpose, was for the better good. Those Yeridites that could have killed a weaker man made me stronger, and it made me understand that it was not for the purpose of Yerida. The bar that I was in, the Nechashim Akrabim, really allowed me to become who I am. I want to speak for a minute about Rav Steinemann, Zechit Tzadik Levracha, because I found a vart that Mamish is saying exactly this vart, but from Rav Steinemann in a different context. You know, a lot of people ask me, is anyone going to speak about Rav Steinemann Yeshiva? And I'm sure, you know, probably maybe all of your Abayim spoke about it, maybe the Yeshiva is going to be speaking about it, maybe he did already. And I'm certainly not a person that could give in any which way any form of hesped, can't be masped on Hanukkah anyway, but if you could, I'm not, I'm not a person that could be even begin to talk about Rav Steinemann in any which way, because Rav Steinemann was, you know, so great. You know, he was just unbelievable. My Shalom Bayez Chabur that I gave uh, this afternoon, I was speaking a, a little bit about um, some of the greatness of, of Rav Steinemann. Um, I didn't read anything recently, you know, since he was Nifta. I haven't read anything. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, obituaries in the papers, and the front papers for Shabbos. I didn't read anything, but I can remember um, many stories that I heard years ago about Rav Steinemann. Um, he came to America. I saw him when he came to America. I saw him in Eretz Yisrael a few times as well. Um, but he, he went to give chizuk to, to America. And that's, it was an amazing experience. I believe he came twice to America, if I'm not mistaken. But it was a huge deal when he came. Because imagine if Chaim Kanievsky would come to America. Can you imagine like that? That was sort of what it was like. And, um, you know, he came to all the major yeshivas. He was in Chaim Berlin, he was in Lakewood, and he was in the Mir, and he was, uh, he made his way to a lot of yeshivas. Him together with the Ge'er Rebbe. And he gave chizuk, he, you know, to a lot of communities, he gave a lot of chizuk. But Rav Steinemann getting on an airplane was like an oxymoron. Rav Steinemann was a person that was so mufka from Eilam Hazat. There's no shaykh as Eilam Hazat. So simple. Whoever went to visit him ever in his apartment, you know, saw like the decrepit apartment that he lived in. It was... You know, it should have been condemned a hundred years ago by the, you know, by the Board of Health if there is such a thing in Israel. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, it just, uh, you know, you wouldn't sleep in his room for one night the way we are. He had a simple, broken bed with a stool on his back. He never had a, a regular chair. He never wanted a regular chair. He just wanted to sit and learn Tyra. That's all he wanted to do. 
and for when he was driven to go to the airplane to leave Vinebrak and he you know and, and to go to uh, to come to America so he was being driven and he uh, you know he was he, he wasn't in a car he was never in a car he just walked from his house to, to I guess to Shul to Yeshiva wherever and that was it and he was in this car this is going back you know maybe uh it was maybe 2005, 2010. I don't remember exactly, but... Uh, 2004. 1998. Anyway, so he... he um, so he... He was, uh, he was examining, like, he was, like, observing the driver of this car. This driver was driving a stick shift. And he was, like, looking at him, like, you know, it was very strange to him. So Rav Steinemann says to the driver, he says, you know, I feel bad that you're doing so much work. He says, he says to the driver, he says, you turn the wheel, and I'll, I'll stir the coals. He thought that the stick shift was some sort of way to stir the coals. That's obviously heating up the car. Um, and then he passed by, as on the way out from B'nai Brak, I guess, to Lud Airport, they, he passed by the Amagadol, passed by the Mediterranean and uh, he said to the driver he says do you mind if I you know, go out of the car for a minute and make a bracha on the Yamagadol if you don't see the Yamagadol in 30 days you make a bracha so the driver says you haven't seen the Rashiva hasn't seen the Yamagadol in 30 days he says I haven't seen the Yamagadol in 30 years so I haven't left B'nai Brak in 30 years I was sitting and he never, he never came up for hair he just sat and learned and learned and taught and learned and taught and learned and that, that's it that was his life there was no politics and there was no news there was no, there was no current events and there was no, uh, no, no food I was just telling my family at home, we had a Hanukkah Suda tonight, and I said to my kids, uh, you know, said he was, he was a Rashiva before he was in Panovich, he was in Yeshiva in Parsaba, in Eretz Yisrael, and he was, uh, very poor Yeshiva, the Yeshiva was not able to earn enough money to pay him. And they said to him, listen, you know, we love having you, and we understand if you have to leave, we can't afford to pay your salary. When we get more money together, we'll pay you, but we can't pay you now. He says, he says, fine, but what am I going to eat? So I don't mind teaching, but I have to eat something. He says, listen, there's a contributor, and they they de- they donate like constant <coughs> crates and crates of rhubarb. If you don't know what rhubarb is, it it, it, it sounds about as good as it, it it tastes about as good as it sounds. Okay, and you know it's close to being edible, but not fully edible. And and he says that's what we could give you. So. Every day they got a crate of rhubarb, and breakfast was rhubarb, lunch was rhubarb, supper was rhubarb, Shabbos was rhubarb, Yantiv was rhubarb, Rishchidesh. Every day was rhubarb, and they subsisted on rhubarb for about a year, just rhubarb. Can you imagine? If I would serve my kids rhubarb for one one meal, there would be hafganot in the street. They would be turning over dumpsters and like lighting them on fire. You know, and, you know, for a year he was able to mefarnish his whole family with rhubarb. And at the end of the year, the yeshiva came into more money and they, they offered him to pay him for the entire, you know, the back pay for a year of, you know, it's a big check. We, we raise the money and we want to pay you for all, all the checks. So he says, are you crazy? So do you think I'm doing this to make money? 
says, I'm, I, I only take a check from yeshiva just so that I can, I can teach more. I could, I could eat so that I could teach. So I'm not looking to get rich. You don't have to pay me back. I was able to make it through the year. I'm still alive, Baruch Hashem. And, and just pay me whatever, whatever my salary is going forward. Don't pay me back. I'm not, I don't want money. I don't need, I don't need back pay. I got it through, Baruch Hashem. That's it. So they asked the Rebetzin, you know, how did you do it? Somebody like was a little bit like, you know, some of these is like urban, you know, these are like urban legends. Like, is it true that you subsisted on rhubarb for a year? So she says, yeah, what's the big deal? She says, Shabbos, Arab Shabbos, I put a little sugar in it to make it a little extra sweet for Shabbos. Why, why, why is that such a chiddush? We got through on rhubarb. What's the big deal? Like, for it was such a like a, a, a non-big deal that you know, yeah, we got through on rhubarb. What's why is that a chiddush to you? These are people that you know you could write stories about them if they were rishayim, but they lived in our times, and they set the bar so high for us that it's impossible to describe. That's why I feel like you know. Ridiculous talking about who am I to talk about Steinman? Steinman, you know, even if I was a Tamar Chacham, and even if I was a Gadol, like who in this dark could even be Masbeder of Steinman? Who could touch him? So listen to this var. Let's at least be a Talmud of Steinman by hearing one shtickle tire from him. If we can't talk about him, we can't be Masbeder him. If we can't understand him, let's hear a var from him. says a beautiful vart. Rashi says at the beginning of Parshas Yisrael that Yisrael was the Chaysein Meisha. Yisrael was the father-in-law of Meisha Rabbeinu. So Rashi says, Kan haya Yisrael miskabed b'Meisha. Here, Yisrael was miskabed b'Meisha. Yisrael was getting covered from Meisha Rabbeinu. Ani Chaysein HaMelech. Look who I am. I am the Shver. I am the father-in-law of the Melech. I'm the father-in-law of Meshur Rabbeinu. He was so proud of his son-in-law. I am the father-in-law of Meshur Rabbeinu. I am the Chaysein Meshur. Ulusha Adar, says Rashi, if you look previously in the Torah, Hayam Meshur Tayla Agadul B'chamov. Meshur Rabbeinu attached his greatness to his father-in-law. He hitched his wagon to his Shver. Shenemar Vayeshev Vayashev El Yeser Chaisna. He returned to Yeser, his father-in-law. That's Rashi. So Rashi just points out something that's seemingly obvious: that here Moshe Rabbeinu was the Melech, and Yisrael was the Chaisna. Moshe, he was getting his title, became the father-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu. But previously, Moshe Rabbeinu was his title was the son-in-law of Yisrael. So if Steinman asks, what's Rashi telling us? What can we take from this Rashi? What's the Moser Haskell that we could take from this Rashi? So if Steinman says as follows, it's coming to teach you that any matzav, any situation that a person finds himself in, you should know that it could flip it could go from one extreme to another extreme. Meshur Abenu, when he first got married, Yisrael was the man. 
Yisrael was the Kayin Midron. He was the big knocker. He was the person that everybody was talking about. He was like a, a, a personality that was world famous. Everybody knew Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu was like the son-in-law. He was like, you know, he was a young guy. The son-in-law, he was the chaysen. He was the, he was the son-in-law of Yisrael. Yasser chaysenai. That was, a, you know, if you would have told Moshe Rabbeinu, could you imagine that someday Yisrael is going to be proud of have, of being your father-in-law? Moshe Rabbeinu would be laugh. What, what do you mean? Yisrael is so famous. Yisrael is, he's like, the, you know, the president. He's like the king. He's like, he's such a big knock. Everybody knows Yisrael. Who am I? I'm nothing. I'm just offer of Ephraim. I'm just, you know, I'm just a, a shepherd. I'm doing my little job over here. I'm the son-in-law of Yisrael. It's never going to change. I'm always going to be the son-in-law of Yisrael. That's where I am. That's where I'm going to stay. Matzavim don't change. Things don't shift. But a few years later, everything turned. The wheel turned. Moshe Rabbeinu used to be so proud and be known for being the son-in-law of Yisrael. Suddenly, all of a sudden, he became the Melech. He went from being a simple shepherd to being the Melech of Klal Yisrael. So much so that Yisrael was Chaysein Moshe. Nobody even knew who Yisrael was other than the fact that he got the title of being the Shver of Meishu Rabbeinu. What we take from this, says Rav Steinem, is never believe for a second that a bar that you're found in, that if you're found in a situation that you seem so low, and that it can't change, I'm stuck, I'm in a rut, nothing is good for me, nothing is going well, everything that I do is just a disaster. I'm not doing well in school, I'm not doing well with friends, I'm not doing well with money, I'm not doing well with family, I'm not doing well in shidduch, I'm not doing well in marriage, I'm not doing well with, cho- with raising my children, I'm not doing well at work. Everything is a disaster. I can't touch anything and it works out for me. Really? Maish Rabbeinu was always that. He was the son-in-law of Yisrael. But yet, the wheel turned... And now Maishu Rabbeinu became the Melech and Yisrael was the father-in-law of Maishu Rabbeinu. Everything just flipped. Everything turned. The wheel spun. The wheel turned 180 degrees. What was on top is now on the bottom. What was on the bottom is now on the top. Don't ever believe, says Rav Steinemann, that things in your life are static and stuck and will always stay that way. It's not true. And he says that if people would understand this, how many depressions would be prevented from ourselves? And the difficult times in our lives would not be taken so seriously. Knowing, yes, today is a hard day. Today was a difficult day. Today. Doesn't have to be today. It could be the week. It could be the month. It could be the year. It's not so great what's going on in my life. Admittedly so. But it's for Zman Kotsov. There is a set period of time that things are not going well. But in a certain short amount of time, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, maybe by Shabbos, maybe by Purim, 
Things will turn around for me and everything will be wonderful. And he says, This is true with all difficulties. It's temporary. Don't get depressed over a current situation. Even if it seems impossible, because if you're patient and you have bitachin in the Rabbi Shalom that things will change, they can change and they will change. You just have to... This is Rav Steinemann's yisait for us to take on this Hanukkah. We can't touch Rav Steinemann with a million foot pole. There will never probably be another Rav Steinemann in the history of the world. But we can hear this one message from him that he wants all of us to hear. Don't allow the present to get us down to get us depressed, and to allow us to believe that we are not worthy of having a better future. Even if it's our own sins that have put us in this bar. Maybe it's our own tithes that allow us to feel depressed and that we are not worthy of the title of a bentaira. Could be. Maybe we're not socially proper and that's what caused us to be in this pit of of having our brothers throw us in having the nechashim and akrav maybe it's my fault I don't know it could be it's my fault maybe I'm at fault it doesn't matter Yosef HaTzadik with his bitachin was able to climb out of every pit that he was in knowing that the wheel turns Vayaris HaGolis keep your eye on those HaGolis understand that every downturn is really an upturn it's a preparation for an upturn if you're having a bad day know that that badness is nothing but a it will serve you so well if you're patient Things turn around in life. Hanukkah is a great time for things to turn around. I remember somebody once told me a story about a uh, an elder bacher, an older bacher, uh, a person that never got married. He is maybe in his thirties, forties, and he was living in a basement in in Brooklyn. Now, there's really very little that's more depressing than living in a basement in Brooklyn. First of all, you're living in Brooklyn, and then you're in a basement in Brooklyn. So it's really bad. I I lived in a basement in Brooklyn many years, so I could really be made that it's really depressing. So there was this bacher, and it was... He was just really depressed. And Hanukkah, if you're not married, you know, at a certain age, and you're not, you don't have a family, Hanukkah is like the most depressing time of the year. You know, it could be great if you're a bacher, young, and everything is great, but like once you're, you know, a certain age, and you're not married, and it's really depressed. So if you're an elder bacher, and you're in Brooklyn, and you're in a basement in Brooklyn, it's like a perfect storm of, of real deep-seated depression. And to make matters worse... The family who he lived under, nice young couple with, uh, you know, young children, and, you know, he heard from upstairs that they were making a Hanukkah party. 
and there was Latkes, the smell of Latkes were wafting through the air and underneath his door and into his basement apartment. And, you know, the Sufganiyot just came and the sushi just arrived and, you know, and the guests were coming and he heard all the family members and the parents and the in-laws and they were, you know, the footsteps were walking on top of his head in the basement. And, you know, the music was playing and he was like really, really, really depressed. Really. And all of a sudden, at that really low moment in his life, there was a knock on the door, and the the husband from upstairs was standing there, and he, you know, he says, "Yes, what can I help you with?" He says, "Chaim, we're making a Hanukkah party. We'd love to have you join us." He says, "You want me to join you? What do you need me in your Hanukkah party for? I think you're going to do just fine." He says, "No." It's not going to be the same without you. He says, you serious? You're inviting me to your Hanukkah party? He says, of course, why not? He says, let me, let me get dressed. So he shaved and he took a shower. He put on a nice clean shirt and pants. And, and he just went upstairs and he, they just like were mechayim mesem mamish. And... You know, he was playing dreidel with the kids, and he was, they were singing, he was dancing, they were, he was eating, and, and just enjoying the, the yantif. And he stayed past, you know, the time that all the other guests had left, and he was helping them fold up the, the table and the chairs, and, you know, putting stuff away, taking out the garbage. And he says to the, to the couple at the end of the night, right before he went back down to his basement, he says, I want you to know something. He says, tonight was going to be the last night of my life. He says, the bar that I was in was so dark and so deep that I didn't want to get out of it. He says, you knocked on the door at precisely the right moment. And you were mechayim me. You revived me. Yaakov. You put a new life into me. You made me feel like a human being. You made me feel like a mensch. You brought me out of the bar. Yosef, he was whisked out of the bar. Like that, like in a snap. He says, that's what you did to me. You were mechayimi. He says, if there's a reason for me to go on in life, it's because of this evening, it's because of this tonight. And from that Hanukkah, his whole life flipped. And he was able to feel so good about himself that he was able to get a job and find a wife and have a family. All because of something that happened on Hanukkah. Something that happened with a bar. That he was able to be raised out of that bar because somebody threw him a rope and so brilliantly, so compassionately took him out of the bar until he was whole, until he was happy, until he was complete. Hanukkah has that ability. Hanukkah is that... It's that moment that you could turn everything around. In the Shir Shalyayim, Aramimcha Hashem Sani, what do we say in that Mizmar? 
I will praise you, Hashem. I will extol you, Kidilisani, because you have lifted me up like Dali, like a lotion of a pail. You lifted me out of that bar. You gave me life when I was so deep in the pit. So many times we are so mired in darkness and gloom and doom that we don't know how we're going to get out. Hanukkah is a time that we can get out of the pit because that's exactly what happened to Klal Yisrael on Hanukkah. Hanukkah was one of those days on the calendar that all was lost. We were, we were very close to being annihilated, not physically, but spiritually, by a very, very competent foe. With his great compassion, was able to perform a miracle for us. Everything flipped. Miraculously, everything was impossible. How do you get out of the darkness? Chazal say that there is no greater darkness than Yavan. You could do it. You can get out of any pit, anything that you find yourself in, in any addiction, any addiction in the world, any taiva, anything that you feel cannot be broken. It could be fixed on Hanukkah. That's what Hanukkah is all about. It's a day, it's days on the calendar that we could see the light. These candles, the menorahs, the hallel, the shears, the shbaches, the sudas that we make, all of these are ways of getting out of the darkness, of being able to say, Okay, yes, I've had experiences with Nechashim Akrabim. I have my own personal demons. I have demons around me. But like Yosef HaTzadik with a little bitachin, a lot of siyat dishmaya, I will be able to be raised out of the pit. Chisani miardibar. HaKadosh you could take me and you could turn my entire matzav around. I could go from the depths to the highest. We said in Hal this morning, Mikimi may offer a doll. Hakadosh takes from the dirt the doll, the poor. May Ashpais Yarim Evyain, and from the garbage heaps, from the dung heaps, Hakadosh is able to lift up the impoverished one. Laishivim Nedivim Im Nedivayamay. He can make a person that's on the bottom of the basket, suddenly become on the top of the basket. He can make a Yasef who is, uh, who is thrown into a pit by his brothers so low, no lower than this. Imagine for a second what Yasef was feeling on the bottom of the pit, thrown in by his very brothers, surrounded by snakes and scorpions. It doesn't get worse, but Yasef was able to survive, get out of the pit, and eventually become the Mishnah Lamelech, the, the most powerful man in the world. takes the most lowest person and makes him great. And that could happen to all of us. If we feel ever that we are not worthy, that we are low, we are on the bottom, wait! Don't get depressed. 
Look at it as an opportunity. Every Yerida is really a Tzarech Aliyah. That's what the dreidel is all about. The dreidel is about being able to understand that things spin. Sometimes you get a Nun, sometimes you get a Gimel, you get a Shin, you get a hay, but there's always another chance. And it spins and it turns and what was on one side is now on the other side. That's how life goes. So many people that are successes in life, you ask them, were you always successful? Me, always successful? You should have seen me a couple of years ago. I didn't have a, two nickels to rub together. I was down and I had nothing. And somehow, someway, I was able to do this and invest. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm on the top of the world. Remember, I think uh, those of you that went to Rashid maybe can, uh, can verify this story. But I heard once a story about Rabbi Marcus, who was a wonderful man. And you know, I think the campus is, is named after uh, the Refsons. Ronson. What? Ronson. Ronson, thank you. So so if I'm not mistaken, I might be, get some of the facts wrong, but I, I don't think I am. Mr. Ronson was a person who was very wealthy, and Rabbi Marcus was very close with him, and then he lost all his money. He lost all his money. And as soon as he lost all his money, all the people that used to be, you know, running after him, suddenly, you know, had no use for him. Well, what's he, well, he's not good for anything. What do I need him for? I need him, you know, when I, he had a checkbook. He has no checkbook. There's no, well, what does he have? So everybody, all the maestas that used to be mechavidim, like, you know, wrote him off, and every rashiva, every rav, every, uh, just like, you know, he's no longer, they just crossed him off their, you know, off of their, their contact list. He was worthless to them. Everybody that is except for Rabbi Marcus. Rabbi Marcus continued to be close to them, to be him, to hug him, to embrace him, to, you know, to make him feel good about himself. And the wheel spun, and Mr. Ronson, you know, got back not only his original money, but much, much more. And he said to Rabbi Marcus, he says, I'm all yours. What do you want to do? And... And if you ever go to Rashid, you see what he wants to do. <laughs> but that's life. You know, you could say he's on the bottom now. Well, he's always worthless. What do you mean he's on the bottom? He's worthless. He's a yid. You don't throw a yid into a pit. And when you do, you do that at your own, at your own peril because you gotta understand that today you're down and the next day you're up. Don't ever look at somebody as a loser. He's a loser. Crazy? There's no such thing as a loser. Maybe temporarily I'm going through a bad matzav. Not a loser. Someday I'm going to be the biggest winner in the world. You just watch. Hanukkah is that. Hanukkah, there was no greater loser than Klai Yisrael a day before Chafei Kislev. All bets were against Klai Yisrael. Going against the Syrian Greek army, are you crazy? Don't even just just surrender, wave the white flag. It's over. Klai Yisrael is not like that. Klai Yisrael says, "I don't care. I'm going to try. I'm going to fight. And if I lose, I lose. But I'm going to go and I'm going to try to get this wheel to budge and to start moving again." And Rabban Biad Ma'atim, a few individuals were able to fight against the Syrian, and they won against all odds. All the smart money was on 
the other team, and Klai Yisrael won, they came out on top. And that's not just us as a nation. It's not a national story, Hanukkah. It's an individual story. That is who we are as a person, as individuals. Don't ever put down another Yid. Because every Yid today might be down. But tomorrow he's going to shine brighter than any light in the world. I believe that that might explain the positioning of this Gemara. Why in the middle of the sugya of Hanukkah does all of a sudden the Gemara tell us about the story of Yosef and this bar that Yosef found himself in that was full of snakes and scorpions? Because that's Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a time that if we feel that we're in a pit, follow exactly what Yosef HaTzadik did. That things will change, that the Agala will spin. That today I'm down, but tomorrow I'm going to be king. That Leishivim Nedivim Im Amay. I'm going to sit at the greatest echelons of society someday. Today I'm down. It's true. I had a rough patch of time. But I do not allow myself to get depressed. I do not allow myself to view myself in such a way as if I am unworthy, as if I am different, as if there's something wrong with me. There is nothing wrong with me. I have to just give it time. Davin, Hafsiat Dishmaya, and with within a short amount of time everything will change. I will be going from being the son in law of Yisrael to being Yisrael's son and Yisrael's father in law. And if Steinman says if we would just keep that in mind, we would never get depressed. We would always be happy because we know how the wheel turns. You have to have a lot of patience if you're you. Because things are tough. Life is not always easy. Life is not always storybook. But if you're patient and you have bitachan and you you have the right support system, you could do anything that you want. Tomorrow is going to be a much better day than today. A lot of times I go through days and they're like really, really bad. For whatever it is, I'm, I know that there are a lot people in this room that have a lot tougher matzavim than I do, but... For me, on my own personal level, I don't have to feel just because other people have it worse than me, that doesn't mean that my problems are not problems. Everybody has problems on their own level. But sometimes I say to myself when things are really bad that tomorrow it's going to be better. Tomorrow is just wait till tomorrow, and it's true. It might not be tomorrow, Mamish, Yesh Machar Mamish, Yesh Machar Sometimes it takes more than tomorrow, sometimes it's, it lasts a couple of days, and then the fever breaks, and then it's better. But that happens. Things could get better. We just have to be patient with the Rabbi Nishalim. We have to allow him to do what he needs to do with us, and, and then HaKadosh Baruch will will provide that Yeshua that we so desperately need.